Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. It is good to be in church today. Thank you guys uh, for being here today. Appreciate Cody for traveling as far as he did. Thank you. All the way from his his bedroom. Yeah. I'm not sure. We are uh, reading from Acts chapter 19 today. Acts chapter 19. Um, If you remember in the last chapter, chapter 18, talked about Apollos, a a man who uh, was very educated, very well spoken, uh, but didn't have the whole story, was missing some rather large pieces. Uh, and uh, Aquila and Priscilla took him in and helped uh, help clear things up for him. And 19 kind of goes straight from that. Uh, verse 1, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. So Apollos stayed in Corinth there and continued uh, to have a positive impact for the, the cause of Christ. Uh, but he went to Ephesus, or Paul did, and he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He said, no. They told him, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism were you baptized with, he asked him. With John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other languages and to prophesy. Now there are about 12 men at all. The Christian experience has two major crisis moments, two major things that happen in your life. First off, when you first become a Christian, you realize, oh, there is a God, and that isn't me. I'm not God. That's what you realize. That's the first lesson you learn. And and you confess and forsake your sins, and God saves you. And then, and then at some point, you surrender everything to God, and God fills you with His Spirit and empowers you to live an obedient life uh, to Him. When I was first saved, I was 17 years old, and I decided that I didn't want to live life my own way anymore. I wanted to live for God. 
all my friends were either gang members or stoners and 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 that's a lifestyle that I I was around um and I was pretty unhappy pretty miserable and I my spirit of life God God dealt with my heart and I decided I needed to live for God and I did for most part there was an internal struggle maybe you can empathize with this there was a struggle inside me part of me still wanted to to live in sin part of me still wanted to do things that I knew was wrong and my spiritual life maybe you maybe you experienced this too my spiritual life was very much like a roller coaster there was lots of ups and downs and 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 that went on from 1992 to 2008 in the spring of 2008, I had another crisis moment with God. I was so sick. I was sick of the inner turmoil. I was done with it. And I surrendered to God completely and, and, and confessed my sin of double-mindedness, always being on the fence of serving God or serving myself and, or the, the devil, really. And God filled with His Spirit, and something special happened. Everything in my life changed. Sins that I had struggled with for years just went away, just evaporated. And God solidified my walk in Him through His Spirit. Being filled. And here's what we have here, this example. These, these guys were obedient to the Lord, and, and, but didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. Isn't God good that He's patient with us and He waits for us to catch up? Sometimes it takes time for us to get to the right place where He can bless us. Verse 8, Then He entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, engaging in discussion and trying to persuade them about the things of the kingdom of God. Verse 9, but when some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way in front of the crowd, he withdrew them and met separately with the disciples, conducting discussions every day. Now there's a lot there in that one verse. And I don't want you to miss it. So we're going to take this step by step. These are important truths that we can apply to our lives. First off, Paul was there talking to people about Jesus. And it says, some became hardened. I want you to beware of this. If God shows you a truth and you don't accept it and follow it, at some point your heart is going to harden against it. That's a natural result. I have seen examples of that. I've, I, I've known of uh, people who, when they were young adults, they knew the truth. And then they decided, you know what, I'm going to live life my own way, on my own terms. I know the truth. Uh, and they, I, I, I read letters that they wrote to their parents, you know, please pray for me. I know I'm not living right. This was in the 70s. But their heart became hardened against God. 
And it got to where they didn't care. They stopped caring that they, they weren't living right. And then from there, a person stops believing. Well, the Bible isn't true. There is no God. The church is just full of hypocrites. I've heard it all. So you stop believing. And then finally you forget. I've known people who were so far from God for so long, they had forgotten, and they grew up in church. They grew up in church. They went to Sunday school. They knew all the stories. They knew all the truths of God. But they went decades without serving Him and, and rejecting Him, and they didn't even know the basics. They forgot it all. Beware. When God shows you something in your life, you know, I need to change this. This is this is wrong. I need to change this. I need to do something about this. Don't reject it. Don't push it off. Don't say, oh, I'll take care of that tomorrow because your heart is going to harden at some point. God's going to let you believe what you want to believe. That's a scare. Did you know that? Did you know the Bible says that if people reject God and, and don't want to believe the truth. God Bible says God lets them believe whatever they want to believe. So they became hardened. They wouldn't believe. And they, the Bible says they slandered the way. What is that? The way. Well, that was what Christianity was called before it was called Christianity. Christians were called followers of the way. Sounds like a cult, doesn't it? A lot, did, a lot thought it was a cult. There was rumors going around that Christians were involved in cannibalism, that they're involved in incest. Yeah. When Christianity first started, there was all kinds of rumors going around. And they called them followers of the way. So that's what, that's what they mean, slandering the way. Slandering Christianity in front of the crowd. And what did Paul do? So he has these people, they're hardening against the truth, and they start heckling him, basically, right? They're heckling him. And so he withdrew, he withdrew from them, the Bible says. That's sometimes the best action with someone who doesn't want to believe. They don't care. You don't want to keep arguing with somebody. You just withdraw. It's not worth it. And so he withdrew from them and met several disciples conducting discussions every day. He was meeting with these new Christians and, and, and having discussions and, and, and Bible studies with them every day. I love when a baby when a Christian gets saved and they're so hungry for the truth. And they want to meet with us almost every day to talk about the Bible. I love that. They're like an empty sponge and they just want to absorb everything. And so that's what Paul was doing. You know, the world needs needs thousands of Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, Spirit-empowered 
teachers and disciple makers. Those of you Christians who've been walking with God for for years, uh, you have responsibility to in some way, in some form, be a teacher and a disciple maker. There's no, no such thing as passive Christianity. At some point, you once you've matured as a Christian, once you're no longer a baby Christian, you need to start looking for other people that you can mentor, people that you can encourage. And 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 being a disciple maker, being a teacher, uh, helps you in your walk with God. For one thing, you it helps you remain obedient to God. I know as a pastor. If I'm tempted to do wrong, it helps me knowing, man, I don't want to be, I don't want to trip anybody else up. I don't want to make anybody stumble. I would I would feel horrible if I if I ended up sinning against God and someone saw me and that caused them to sin. Oh, I would feel horrible. And also, so that, that helps too, helps you to walk with God. It also forces you to know why you believe what you believe. Because a baby Christian is going to ask lots of questions. Well, why does God do this? Why does the Bible say that? What are we supposed to do about this? And a lot of times, especially at first, you're not going to have the answers because you never thought about that before. And so it forces you to, to analyze itself yourself and think about those those questions. Praise the Lord. Verse 10, uh, and this went on for two years, so that all the inhabitants of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the message about the Lord. They heard the message, and there was a transforming effect on that. You know, that's, our, that's all our responsibility, is to tell people about Jesus. That's all we're expected to do. You don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to write a blog. You don't have to preach sermons or, or teach Sunday school classes. You know, people do that and, and, and encourage you to do that. But what we do, are expected to do is tell people, Everybody is expected to tell people about Jesus. Jesus changed my life. That's why we're here. That's why I'm having church in my backyard. And I'm trying to reach people for Jesus. Because Jesus changed my life. It's never been the same. And I'm glad about that. All my friends, my, my, my closest friends in high school, they're, they're either in jail or they've been in jail or they're dead or they're almost dead because of drugs and alcoholism and, and all the consequences and pain and suffering with sin. And I see my life and where I am now with a beautiful family, beautiful friends, Great job. I'm not saying that I'm not I'm preaching health. I'm not preaching health and wealth of gospel, by the way. I can still get sick. 
I can still lose my job and have nowhere to live. But if I had nothing and I was sick in the hospital, I would still say, praise the Lord. Why? Because he changed my heart. And all that depression and anxiety and pain and the guilt that weighed on me all the nights, closing my eyes, wondering if this is it. Am I going to die tonight and go to hell? That's all gone. Change my life. And we need to tell people about that. If he's changed your life, you need to tell people about that. People need to hear. Verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hand so that even face claws or work aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. God worked some miracles through Paul so they would, people would know, hey, this is legit. At the time, there, yeah, there, was no, there was no New Testament. Christianity just started. People, like you said, they were just calling them followers of the way. And there was, like you said, there was lots of rumors. So to uh, back up Paul and what he was saying, God worked miracles in Paul. Verse 13, that some of the itinerant uh, Jewish exorcists, itinerant uh, means traveling. So there are these, these uh, uh, Jewish men that they, they went about uh, doing exorcisms, uh, attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had spirits. Now, they were not Christ followers. They just heard, hey, if you say this name, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, deliver someone from evil spirits. So they, they said, I command you by the name, by, by the Jesus that Paul preaches. Now it says that, verse 14, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. The evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus. So, the demon was talking. I know Jesus and, and I recognize Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit leaped on these seven guys, overpowered them all, and prevailed against them so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. That didn't go well for them. I think the moral to this story, you have these seven guys who weren't Christians and they tried to use the name of Jesus to exercise a demon. And they ended up getting beat up real bad and bleeding and they're naked. I think the moral of the story is don't pretend to be a believer. Don't pretend. It's much better to just be authentic. You know what it means to be authentic? Be real, yeah. A lot of people say they're Christians and their life doesn't show it. Their behavior does not follow their words. Just say it. I, I, I'm following God or I'm not following God. You know, God would rather have that. The Bible says 
that God rather you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of your mouth. You're just playing games. A lot of people like to play games with God. Did you know that? I think it's kind of dumb. God knows everything. And we try to play mind games with God. They don't pretend to be a Christian. I think that's that's good. Either be a Christian or not. You be real with, with God and with others. Verse 17, this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Then this became known, right? This this uh, attack by this demon. Everybody found out about it, heard about it. It was big. It was all over social media, which back then was just people talking to each other. That was social media. Verse 17, this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Then what happened? As the Bible says, then fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices. Now, what practices is that? Well, it says in verse 19, While many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. See, they were, they were practicing magic, and magic is a sin. They knew that. And so they became Christians, and they got serious about God. They had all these books uh, with magic spells in them, and they burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. How much is that? Well, back then, um, an average day's wage was one piece of silver. So 50,000 days worth of work. That's a lot. And verse 20, in this way the Lord's message flourished and prevailed. What do we have here? What just happened here? Word got out. And a revival took place. You know what a revival is? Where people's eyes are opened. And something special happens. And a lot of people surrender their life to Christ. And we see here the different phases of revival. First one, the first phase is fear. They heard about what happened with Paul and heard what happened about these guys who pretended to be Christians and got beat up real bad. And it has got real. Every, every uh, Christian starts out this moment where things get real. Things get serious. In the second phase, uh, Jesus was lifted up. You know, the story in the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites were being, uh, had, had, there's a bunch of snakes, snakes in the Israelite camp. And, pe- and poisonous snakes. And, and if you got bit, you, you, were, you were dead. It would kill you. And people were being bitten by these snakes and, and it was getting really bad, uh, and, and God prayed to Moses, and God, and God gave Moses instructions, and, and Moses followed those instructions. Do you remember what he did? Anybody know what he did? 
He built a, uh, he had a, a, a serpent, a snake made out of brass. And he put it on a big pole and put that pole in the center of the Israelite camp, real high up in the air. And whoever looked at the serpent would be healed. Now that serpent on a pole, that was a symbol of what was to come. And what was to come? Jesus. Jesus would one day be lifted up and become sin for you and me. And all we have to do is look to him. And we're forgiven. We're healed. We're helped. And so in this revival, first people were afraid. It got very real. They realized the danger they were in. And then Jesus is lifted up. He's magnified. And then from there, we find confession. The Bible says here, these, these uh, believe, they became believers. You know what a believer is? It's one thing to say you believe. A true believer is your actions meet, match your words. It actually it, um, is what it is. So the true believers, they, they, what they do, they confess. They became confessing. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? I stole from that guy over there. I'm going to go confess that to him and make it right. Or I talk bad about that girl over there. I'm going to go apologize to her and tell her, I'm sorry. I, 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 I said some things about you that wasn't true. Or if it was true, it wasn't kind. And I'm sorry. They confessed. Restitution. And, and these, these trigger believers, they, they were practicing witchcraft. And so they confessed, you know, I'm sorry. You know what? I've been, I've been practicing witchcraft. I've been doing these things that are wrong. And I've got a bunch of books. And that led to repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is, you know what? I used to do this. I'm not doing anymore. I'm going to start living this way now. That's repentance. And so they repented of that. They stopped practicing a lifestyle uh, of witchcraft and led to a life change. And they got rid of got rid of all the junk. I know when I first became a Christian, I went through all my old tapes. That's how long it was. I had tapes for music. I went through all my old tapes and whatever music that wasn't pleasing to Christ, wasn't pleasing to Jesus, I got rid of it. Threw it away. Any magazines I had that wasn't pleasing, I got rid of those. Any videos that I had that wasn't pleasing to God, I got rid of those. And so that's what we have here in this a wonderful example of true revival. Genuine conversion, genuine conversion, a lot, you know, there's a lot of false conversions. A lot of people come up and, and they'll they'll say the words, but they don't really mean it. And there's no change in their life. Genuine conversion is when you leave your old loves, your old desires, your old interests, and they're replaced by new ones. In fact, let's look over to 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5.
verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Praise the Lord. That's a good verse to memorize, by the way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. This is all done by the word of Christ. Have you experienced, ask yourself, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, have you experienced a change of affections when God saved you? There's still going to be struggles, but I'm talking about what you really love, what's really important to you. There's some people that aren't here in church because they love things more than God. Their affections were not changed. Verse 21. And we need to wrap this up. Verse 21. Uh, when these events were over, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass to Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem after I've been there, he said, I must see Rome as well. Verse 23, during that time, there was a major disturbance about the way for a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis. Artemis uh, was a god, also called Diana. Provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he had assembled them as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, Men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You both seen here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that God, gods made by hands are not gods. You see, a revival had taken forth and people weren't worshiping false gods anymore, so they weren't buying these trinkets that these guys were making, and that made them mad because they were losing business because of this. Verse 27, Not only do we run a risk that our business may be discredited, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be despised, and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin, the very one of all Asia ruled the door. And when they heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, Great! is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now I'm going to skip back, so we're kind of running low on time. I'll just give you the gist of it. There was a riot in the city of Ephesus. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Dealing with riots now, aren't we? There was a riot in Ephesus because of this, and they were able to quell things down at by the end of chapter 19. But this revival, all, all, this, all this riot and discontent going on, it was all because there was people or revival going on and lives were being changed because the gospel was being preached. Now, when I say the gospel is being preached, I, the gospel, gospel means, what does gospel mean? The word gospel. Anybody know? 
means good news. That's all it means. The news. Have you heard the news? That's that's the gospel. The, what message? What kind of message has this kind of impact where people are are completely changing their lives and they're burning uh, books that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, uh, no, be millions, but hundreds of thousand dollars in today's money. They're, they're doing these tricks, and and then they're uh, they completely stopped buying trinkets to false gods, and then because of that, there's this great riot. What kind? What kind of message has that kind of impact? I'll tell you what kind of message: a true message, something true and real and meaningful to you right now. That's why I'm here. Because there's a message. There's something I want to, sh uh, there's a reality I want to make sure you know about. Jesus Christ changed my life. How did he do that? I'm going to close out with a simple illustration. I'm going to draw a picture for you that brought me closer to God. This is All this is is, is is the message that we're talking about, okay? okay I know that circle is not perfect. You all know that we live in a broken world, right? It's broken. Any, any any doubt? Anybody want to argue that? <laughs> There's a lot of brokenness right now, isn't it? A lot of pain and anxiety, depression, suffering. Last year, two people I knew committed suicide, both military members. There was no... They had a decent job. They had three meals a day. They had a shelter, but it wasn't enough. They were broken, and there was pain, and they just couldn't take it anymore. They lost all hope of life, and they gave it all up. Broken world. But God didn't intend it to be that way. God had a perfect design. In mind. Okay. And we went from God's perfect design. That was God's original plan. A perfect design. No sin. No pain. No death. But we went from there. To a broken world. Because of sin. Okay, sin is anytime you go against God or disobey Him in any way. That's how we ended up this world of brokenness. But God didn't leave us like this. Thank, thank the Lord. He didn't leave us like this. God had a plan. And that plan involved Jesus. Now, 
Now, Jesus was with God and was God, is God. He came down and became a man, a human, just like us. And he was, he was perfect. Jesus never sinned, never did any wrong, and that made him the perfect sacrifice for you and me. You know, what, you know why we use a cross as a symbol of Christianity? You know, that's, that's an execution instrument. That's like having an electric chair or a, 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 a gallow as a symbol. Because that reminds us of what Jesus did for us. He died for us. And so he made the, he was perfect, made the perfect sacrifice. But he didn't stay dead. Death could not hold him. He had he ended up having victory over sin and death. And three days after he died, he rose from the dead in victory. And that gave him the ability to 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 pay for our sins, to take to cover our sin. We, we sing this morning about covered by the blood. We're covered by his sacrifice. And he promises to bring us back to God's original design. And all we have to do is to come to Jesus. And he expects two things from us. Number one, turn. Turn from our sin. Turn from our old ways, our old life. I'm not doing that anymore. And confess that. God, forgive me for lying, for stealing, for lusting. Forgive me for taking your name in vain. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for coveting. Return from that. And number two, Jesus asks us to follow him. Follow. He, he takes charge of our life. We say, yes, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll follow you. And if we do that, if we turn from our life and, and follow, then Jesus promises to bring us back to God's perfect design. And two things happen. First off, we grow. We grow in our relationship with Him. And at first, when you're a baby Christian, it's pretty ugly. It's like a toddler first starting learning to walk. Right? There's a lot of falling going on. A lot of tripping. A lot of crying. Same way with the baby Christian. A lot of falling. A lot of tripping. A lot of crying. But you grow. You start. Your feet start getting a little more sturdy over time, and you get a little stronger, and you get a little more determined. You don't give up. You hang on, and then you grow. And the second thing happen is go. Oh, you barely see that now. That's terrible. Um, go. God expects you to go back into the world and tell people about Jesus. Tell people what Jesus did for you, how he changed your life and saved you and forgave you and made a difference. If I, st if I didn't think this stuff was true and it didn't make a difference in a person's life and in their heart and it wasn't worthwhile, then I would not be here in my backyard with you all. But I believe it. 
seen in my own life and in countless others over and over again, and I encourage you all. And my question for you now is, everybody is in one of two worlds, either in God's perfect design or in a world of brokenness. And my question for you is, in which world are you right now? Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.